Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Matthew 26 and part of verse 58. Matthew 26, verse 58, but Peter followed him afar off. The whole verse reads, but Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Matthew 26, verse 58, the first part. He read in this account of the apprehension of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. At first it is Peter uh, with the other two disciples that are favoured to uh, go with the Lord and see him and hear him praying unto his Father. But then when he is apprehended, we read how they all forsook him and fled. And it seems after that first shock, then Peter and John as later brought him into the palace, they followed after the Lord. And we are told here with Peter that he followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end, to see what would happen, what would be the outcome of the apprehension. The word of God details the actual happenings of these times. What the Lord Jesus Christ went through, what the dear disciples went through, how they acted, what they did. A record of all that was done and that the scriptures were being fulfilled at this time. There's also in the midst of this account there are those passages that can be a real help to us and though we can never, of course, replicate the time when our Lord was on earth, yet we can derive lessons, warnings and instruction from those things that happened to the disciples on earth. And so I want to look with the Lord's help this evening. Firstly, God's people that are called to be followers. We read of Peter here, he is following the Lord. But then secondly, ask this question, what kind of follower are we? He said in our text, but Peter followed him afar off. And then lastly, a far off follower described and described in terms of today, Gospel Day. But firstly, God's people are called to be followers. We have sung 
in the hymns concerning our Lord as the shepherd, the good shepherd, his people as sheep. Our Lord says in John 10 that when he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them and they follow him. He goes first and they follow on after. We think of the long cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11. Those that walked by faith, going right back to Abel and right through the history of the Church of God. And we are to be followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Our Lord Jesus Christ is a forerunner. He is the uh, firstborn of many brethren. He is the first fruits. He is the one that has gone through death and the other side, risen again from the dead, the first begotten from the dead. And then he has entered into heaven as an earnest, as a token, as a, uh, a true uh, witness to the people of God that as they follow him, that they shall also be where he is. So his prayer answers that, Father, I will that they whom thou be, uh, hath given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. We think of the Apostle Paul. He says to those to whom he preached, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Our Lord left us an example when he called the disciples, each one, whether mending their nets, whether fishing, whether they were uh, at uh, a publican, at receipt of custom, he went by them and he said, follow me. And they went out after him. God's people are called to be followers. It's not a way of which there is none in the distance, none that we are following after. We are not, as it were, just to imitate others, but we are to have a personal faith, a personal acquaintance with the Lord and to be following after in the footsteps that the fathers have trodden in. It is a way cast up, a way that is described in the word of God, a way that the people of God have gone before us and entered into rest, attained the desired haven. We think of some of the examples of those that followed, like dear Ruth following Naomi and cleaving to her, wanting to be where she was and that her God was her God and, and where she dwelt, she would dwell, where she died, she would die. Thy people shall be my people. And she followed her from Moab right to Bethlehem. We think of the children of Israel going through the wilderness 
Uh, you might say it's put in the other way around there. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Of course, the fiery, cloudy pillar went before them in the way to show them the way, to show them the way wherein they should walk. All the time, it is a case of following, not put forth where one had not gone before, but one has gone before and the people of God are to follow after. We are to tell to the generation following the wonderful works of God. The promise is unto you and your children, even as many as the Lord thy God shall call. And we should remember that this is the, the picture of the people of God, that they are called to follow their God and to follow his people and to follow his word, to follow in the way. And this is to be their, their guide, the what keeps them, what shows them the way, going in the footsteps of the flock. The Thessalonians, when they were called, Paul said they became followers of the Lord and of us. And it's a great blessing then to have that double following, following the Lord and following the people of God. But secondly, what we need to ask ourselves is what kind of follower are we? Are we a follower at all? There are countless millions in this world that have no desire whatsoever to follow the things of God. They follow football. They follow the world. They follow influences in social media. They follow all sorts of things like that. But they don't follow the Lord and don't desire to follow the Lord at all. Many of the Lord's people, when the Lord has found them and met with them, they haven't been following after him either. So we need to ask ourselves, are we a follower at all of the Lord? When we think of those that maybe follow uh, celebrities or something like that, they listen to every bit of news about them. They know what they're doing. Uh, they're taken up with them. They spend time learning about them. And how are we with the things of God in that? Do we seek to know all about the Lord and about his people and take a real interest in them? Or do we have no interest in them at all. Are we a follower, but are we like Peter described here? He followed him, but afar off, not nigh. There's a solemn word that Balaam said when he was blessing the children of Israel. God turned his curse into a blessing. 
He said concerning the Lord Jesus or the promised Messiah, Shiloh that should come, I shall see him, but not nigh. And really all those that are outside of Christ, when Christ comes, we read, every eye shall see him. But with his dear people, they are brought near unto him, nigh, they are gathered, gathered into his bosom. When our Lord spoke of the rich man and Lazarus, in hell the rich man could see Lazarus in Abraham's bosom in the covenant, but not nigh, far off. These are some cases to think of what kind of follower actually are we. Peter, he loved his Lord. He loved his Master. The fear of man and the description that is given here and the denials later on, he did not want to be in that low case where he was under Satan's sieve. He did not want to be publicly identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in Hebrews of those that suffered persecution because of the truth. We're told by our Lord in John 17, I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them. But Paul says there are those that not only were persecuted because of the word, but when they became companions of them that were so used. And no doubt Peter here, he was fearful of being dealt with the same as what our Lord was. What kind of a follower? Are we a close follower? Are we a follower according to the scriptures? Are we not a follower at all? It's a real question, isn't it? To go home and ask. Am I a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? And if so, what sort of follower am I? In the third place then, I want to try to describe a far-off follower. Now I would say this, that there are those that are far off followers and it doesn't trouble them at all. They're quite happy in how they are following. But there are others that keenly feel it, that really feel it. Remember before I was brought to Gospel Liberty at Melbourne and when I was seeking the Lord, and used to stay in for the Lord's Supper. We were given the option there, we could, we could go out. We used to stay in at the back seat. And to me, it seemed that there was the Lord's people at the front, and I was at the back, and all those seats in between. And it was a gulf that I keenly felt, that I was not among them. And that went on for a long while. But I felt that. And so it may be 
with you this evening. You feel a difference. You feel afar off. Or it may be you've never really thought about it. Realise you are far off, but it's not a concern at all. And so you could have two people, as it were, that are described as being afar off. But how they each feel it is very, very different. And so we need to ask ourselves, when you look at some of these points, are these things we really feel? Do we keenly feel it? Does it really concern us? Do we not happy being afar off? And do we want to be brought nigh? So let's just think of some of those ways. We could be a far off follower by being one that just follows in tradition and not in faith. So we're just following the tradition of the fathers. Our Lord had many in his day and their traditions had added to the law of Moses. In fact, the Lord said that by your tradition ye make the word of God of none effect. And they were just following on the worship that had been handed down to them without actually examining it, going back to the word of God, going back to the truth, but just imbibing on. We think of the, in the law of God visiting the, the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And it is true, often it is, that a sin of the father is passed down to the children, the children to grandchildren, children to great-grandchildren, and then the Lord breaks that snare and delivers them out of it and they're brought to serve the true and living God. You see, often in the kings of Judah, you have a line of evil kings and then suddenly you get from Ahaz You've got Hezekiah, one of the most godly kings that there was. It's the Lord's grace that makes the difference. But it's an easy thing to just follow in something without any life of God in one's soul, without any work of grace, but just going in the outward motion of religion. We actually, we worship in the chapel, we adhere to doctrines, articles of faith. We follow the same hymn books, the same Bible as our fathers and great-grandfathers have done. And all, everything is being done. And you might say, we're following. We're following in the footsteps of the flock. We're following the people of God. And don't get me wrong, it is a good thing that we do follow and do hand down that which is good and is that and is right. But we must remember that when it comes to a true following of the Lord, it is more than that. It is not those that are born of the flesh or of the will of man, but born of God. And we don't become a true follower of the Lord just by an outward adherence 
to doctrines, articles of faith, usually you'll find that those who are walking in that way, when some that they're associating with depart from that way or do something slightly different, allow different things to be done, perhaps on the Sabbath day, or change other things, do something different, their whole faith system, their whole hope of taken because their hope externals. How they all these things that actually they're, they're in the right way. But if it's challenged at all, then it really, really shakes them. And so if we're following in tradition, in that sense, we are not following in faith. We're not following because we're actually seeing it's like the the children of Israel, there must be many, many of them that rigidly kept the Passover, they did the sacrifices, the offerings, but they never looked through them and saw Christ was being set forth. They never saw that this was only a type and the great anti-type was what was before them. Those that walked in faith, they could see that. And of course in the New Testament church, we have the ordinances of the Lord's house, which are only tithes, they're pointing unto Christ. We, as well as those who have gone before us, must walk by faith. And Paul, he says of those who, in Romans 10, were ignorant of God's righteousness. They had a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. In other words, there was a following of religion, a following of the things of God, but it was only that which was a a natural, traditional, outward following. No spiritual life, no faith, no real understanding as to why they were doing what they were doing. No, No walking really with the people of God. We say another mark is not identifying openly with the people of God. This is what Peter did not want to do here. And as we said with his denials, thou wast also with him. Thy speech betrays you. He, he didn't want to be identified. And so... We can be the same. We can want to be almost out-of-court worshippers, but don't want to be identified or not able to be identified. And there comes a difference between one that is comfortable with being afar off and one that is really painfully feeling it. Those that are fully identified Uh, baptised, buried with him by baptism into death, risen again in newness of life, and then show forth his death till he come in the Lord's Supper, fully in membership, under the discipline of the church, the shepherding of the church, uh, strengthening the body of Christ, and being with the people of God, in a very open way. 
we think of another way of those that are not yet brought nigh by the blood of Christ. Paul only writes to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2 and he says regarding the Jews, regarding the Gentiles, the the Gentiles at that time, he says in verse 12, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And he speaks how that that middle wall of petition between us had been broken down, the ceremonial law taken away, uh, the barriers of that were, were removed out of the way. Our Lord says in John 10, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. And the Lord Jesus Christ is that one fold. And all of the people of God, they are brought into that fold or adopted into the living family of God. The hymn writer rightly says, No more a stranger or a guest, but like a child at home. They are brought in to that living family. So one that is afar off is not yet brought nigh by that precious blood, is the blood that brings nigh. And so then also there is no communion with the Lord and his people as they walk along. One of the great marks the people of God was then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And there was a book of remembrance written for them that thought upon his name, those that were his people, And John says in 1 John 1, truly our fellowship is with the Father uh, and with one another. And it is. The calling of God is called to walk together. A lot of the exhortations for the church of God is that they walk together in the bonds of love. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples indeed, in that ye love one another that they are walking uh, together to be of the same mind and same spirit. We think of the children of Israel, that they were brought out of Egypt and they walked together, they walked through the wilderness. We think of those times that God's people can feel afar off And it is by reason of providence, reason of the Lord's dealings with them that make them strange to their brethren. You think of Job who did walk very closely with the Lord. He feared God, but in God's providence, God, so that Satan could be proved a liar, suffered Satan to greatly afflict him, take away his goods, take away his health. And Job then was brought into a very lonely and far-off position. He was strange to his 
friends, he says, miserable comforters are ye all. He found no friendship, no fellowship with them. And with the Lord, he says, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. He looked on one hand and on the other, even where the Lord was working, and he could not see the Lord. Very dark and lonely and far off place. And the Lord's dear people get into those places. Job was brought out of that. He was delivered out of it. But he keenly felt it. And so did David when he sinned in the matter of adultery and in murder. We, we find in Psalm 51 his deep feeling how that he was uh, put out. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He wanted that communion restored and brought back into the fold again. We think of the Lord's chastening upon Jonah. Jonah, as the Lord provides the fish and he's swallowed up and the weeds are about his head, I'm cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. And how that he prayed to the Lord, cried to the Lord, and the Lord heard him. He said, salvation is of the Lord. The Lord spake to the fish, it vomited him out onto the dry land, banished, and yet then brought nigh again and brought to preach the message that he'd run away from at first. The people of God will know those times when instead of brought nigh, they feel a barrier, feel a separation, they feel a far off. You think of Peter here, very closely with the Lord. And even when in John 6, many, they walked back, they went no more with him. The Lord said, will you also go away? And Peter says, to whom can we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is his saying, Peter there's now far off, and yet there multitudes going away, but he would not. And then later on we have this same Peter restored, brought nigh again, and brought to be so used and so blessed in the church of God. We think of that word, they that have no changes, fear not God. And one of the changes that God's people will feel is the difference from being brought nigh and far off, especially it is felt in prayer. It is in prayer that the people of God have their fellowship with the Lord. We think of our Lord that went whole nights out in the desert in prayer to his Father. And the people of God, as well, really we can, almost a barometer as to how close we're following with the Lord, how much we're walking with the Lord and with his people. What is our private, closet, prayer life? Again, what a difference it can be. We've always been brought up to pray. Pray before we go to sleep. Pray at meal tables. Pray at family worship. But what a difference when it is real, heartfelt prayer squeezed from us. And at first we might feel the heavens as brass, our prayers shut out, no access, 
And then the Lord draws nigh and softens our heart, draws us after him and gives us faith and gives us assurance and gives us comfort and enables us to repent and to sorrow, to mourn over our sins. And it's a very different thing than feeling cast out, a stranger, stranger to the brethren, stranger to the Lord. You might feel it as well in the word of God. As we read it, it's a bound book, a shut book. And we feel so far off from the experience of the people of God and those things that they walk through. And we feel it so. And some of us have known the difference and able to make that comparison. Others may not yet have known what it is to be brought nigh and to be so blessed in the word that they look for that same blessing and same help and that same nearness to the Lord that they have known before. It's a great mercy to know the difference. When we are dead in trespasses and sins, we've never known any difference than that. But when first then quickened into life and first get a taste and get an experience of being brought as an inner court worshipper, brought right before the Lord, and then the veil taken away from our hearts, like the veil was rent in twain, you're able to comprehend and understand with all saints what is the length and breadth and depth and height of the love of God that passeth all understanding. Those that are far off, they don't know that secret of the Lord which is with them that fear him, though they may have known it. So often a veil can be over it and they groan and they cry and they sigh and it is because of the distance that they feel from the Lord. You would remember this, the Lord's desire is that his people be one, they be gathered, they be with him, an innumerable multitude, that they be gathered in the church below and to him shall the gathering of the people be and they are then to be Followers, followers of those who've gone before, followers of the Lord and followers through this veil of tears and followers into heaven itself. A far off follower will feel that distance and want to be brought nigh. They desire that difference and desire that they be not shut out, but brought in, and that they attain unto that promised rest and that blessing at last in heaven. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The way to heaven is through the straight gate and a narrow way. You go in it, because wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there go in thereat. And what is it? The thought, well, we are following, we'll follow the multitude. That must be safest. Not just a few despised followers of the Lamb, but we'll be following of the multitude. What a solemn thing. If that's the type of follower we are, 
But as far as the people of God, we're far off from them. We can be sure that it is only those that follow closely with the Lord here and desire to do so that will be with him at last in heaven. It is to be in communion with Christ, it is to be yoked to him. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You can't get closer to a person and actually be yoked together, walk together. And the Lord will have his people walk in that way. He says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? If we are a follower, a close follower, and walk together, then we will be agreed agreed as to our sinnership, agreed as to our need of a saviour, agreed as to our need of the precious blood shed at Calvary, our reliance on Christ. If ever my poor soul be saved, tis Christ must be the way. And so may we be held to answer this question, maybe an encouragement to those who painfully, painfully and uh, feel that they are far off. They desire to follow, they want to follow, they're following us the best of what the light that they have, but still feel afar off. But if you feel that pain, then may your prayer be, Lord, bring me nigh. Make me a close follower. And if the Lord blesses and favours, then may the desire be that as he has favoured and blessed the soul, then to be a follower in every way of the church of God is a blessed thing when the Lord goeth before. God said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before thee in the way. We know that we are a true follower and when we see that and we follow after the Lord and we marvel and we wonder and we see those things that only God can do and those things which the Lord says to his disciples, blessed are your eyes what they see. And you know, we, we see it because we're brought, brought nigh to see and to understand. So may we be not like Peter, following afar off, but brought nigh. And may our prayer be, make me a true follower of the Lamb, not at a distance, but close to thee. But Peter followed him afar off. Amen.